People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. So we're recording this on Monday night. And when I tell you no more than an hour ago, the news broke from people that Zoe Kravitz and Channing Tatum are reportedly engaged. I think this is incredible. It is. Like, this is objectively so exciting. But for some reason, I was so surprised. And I don't really understand why, because it makes perfect sense. They've been dating seemingly pretty steadily since January 2021. We have certainly seen couples get engaged far quicker. So I'm actively, as we're recording this, trying to process why I feel so shocked, because it's it's kind of unwarranted. I'm surprised that you're so surprised. Yeah, I know. Did anyone else have that reaction? Because when we initially found this out, Julie was like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. And I was like, does it? Like, it makes sense in that I fucking love them as a couple. You know, we were just fantasizing last week about them doing a Skims ad. Like I am so on board in a huge way. I think there's a piece of me that I don't want to say never fully believed they were serious because that's untrue. Of course I did. I guess if you were ranking it, like they definitely skew more private, but it's not like we've never seen them together. We certainly have. They've made appearances. I mean, we saw them famously leaving the Met Gala together. I I think if I really had to pinpoint it, it's like, there's always been a piece of me that feels like, even though they are very evenly matched, she's just a little too cool for him. And I think what I'm experiencing right now is like, wow, he fucking did that. Okay. So- Yes, but also I don't know if I necessarily think she's too cool for him, but I think she definitely makes him cooler. I honestly think a piece of it, I don't know if anyone else is having this experience, but I feel like maybe when we were growing up and you would ask any of your friends, I'm talking like seventh, eighth grade, who was their number one celebrity crush? At least in the top five answers would be Channing Tatum. She's the man, step up, all of that. He was just like the quintessential hot guy. And while in theory, that reputation would make one think that, of course, it would make sense that he is with like one of the hottest women ever. I think there was a piece of that that made me feel like it was almost too cliche in a way. And as I've gotten older, I've grown out of that, but there's always been a piece of me that's stuck with that. So maybe it's like a little bit of an unlearning. I'm really just, I'm really just saying my, my stream of consciousness. I don't know if this is, if this is making sense, but I have to hope that there's someone around our age that feels kind of similarly. I totally hear what you're saying. I think from my perspective, I personally went on a little bit of a journey with Channing Tatum. 
Like you said, step up. She's the man era. There was no one hotter. Like Channing Tatum was fucking in. And then it actually reached a point where he was so hot and he was so it that if you gave him as your answer to your celeb crush, it was almost like too obvious of an answer. So you had to pick somebody like a little less hot because it was like too try hard or too obvious to say Channing Tatum. So like we got to that era of Channing Tatum. And then when Channing Tatum and Jenna Dewan were together, it was like they were the step up power couple. It was like, you could not imagine them with anybody else. And then when they got divorced, it was like, oh my God, this is our teenage dreams being heartbroken right now. Like it was so upsetting. And so I think that there was a period of time where you couldn't even imagine the idea of him with somebody else. Then when he started dating Zoe Kravitz, it was like, oh, this makes sense. But you know what it was also, just to take you back for a second, which is an era we almost forget about. In between that, he was dating Jesse J. And if you remember, they posted that picture on Instagram where he's like naked in the shower. <gasps> and I think all of us had that reaction of like, this is so hot, but also it's a little cheesy and a little try hard. And so I think that's where the Zoe Kravitz coming into play, making him cooler took effect where it was like, okay, there was a period of time where like he got back to being really hot, but almost again in that like cheesy, obvious way. And then when he was with Zoe Kravitz, it was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like he's just hot. Wow, I forgot about that photo. And I really hope some people listening also forgot about it because I want to put the link in the description for you guys to click on it and be reminded in the way that I was just reminded because that really hit me. Do you think that's like an accurate depiction of the journey of Channing Tatum? I think everyone's journey with it is very personal. For me, yes, that is accurate. You know what it is too, Em? Huge part of Channing Tatum's journey. Nothing, nothing is hotter than him with a shaved head. No, I mean, that was a game changer. And that's coming from me, who doesn't generally speaking feel the way about shaved heads that you do. So even I agree with that. But I think also, as I'm just trying to process why this felt so surprising, because as you said, it really shouldn't feel so surprising, is that let us not forget, in 2019, Zoe Kravitz was married. And as we know, that only lasted for about a year and a half. And I don't say that to say that I think it's you know too soon to get married again, nothing like that. It's more so, I guess I just didn't know if she had any remaining maybe negative feelings towards marriage or because of kind of how quickly that marriage dissolved, just generally speaking, maybe feeling a little bit of a hesitation. And clearly that is not the case. And I don't mean to put that on her. I just think it's a fair thing to wonder if someone who got married pretty recently and it only lasted for a year and a half would maybe have a bit of a hesitation. And the fact that she clearly doesn't to me, really signals the way that she must feel about Channing Tatum, which again, isn't surprising, but I guess it's confirming like the reality of this relationship in a way that maybe for me existed a little bit in fantasy, even though it was happening in reality. Totally. I think also one of the reasons where maybe you were surprised by the engagement is because I think that it felt like there was just a natural consistency to their relationship from the time it started to where we're at now. Like it never seemed to get more serious as it progressed. Like what we saw in the beginning of their relationship was them being spotted in Brooklyn together. And then it was, you know, a couple of months later, the picture of them riding the bike together where he's on the bike and she's on his back. And then them leaving the Met Gala together and then them being spotted at this party and this event. It was never like a this red carpet appearance or this big thing that they did together or this Instagram post. Like, I think that what we saw of their relationship has pretty much been exactly steady from the time it started to the time they got engaged. So I don't think you had that moment of like, 
understanding how serious it was other than how long they had been together. What I think is kind of interesting just from a news reporting perspective is that they were seen on Saturday night leaving Kendall's Halloween party at Chateau Marmont. They were dressed as the thriller Rosemary's Baby. She was Rosemary. He was the baby. And in those photos that came out on Saturday, you can see she's wearing what looks like an engagement ring. But I had not seen one report of that. And forget about an official report. It wasn't like I had seen gossip accounts even speculating what the ring on her finger was. And then all of a sudden tonight, meaning Monday night around 8.30, the news is confirmed to people. Meanwhile, those pictures have been up for a full two days. And I feel like none of us even noticed. I certainly didn't. Right? Yeah. I mean, even when I was looking at the photos, I was like, Are we sure that we have confirmation based on just that? Obviously, the confirmation came from multiple sources confirming it to people. But had I seen the picture of the ring in and of itself on her hand leaving Kendall's party, there's no part of me that would have said, oh, is that an engagement ring? No, I mean, it clearly wasn't even on my radar. I do think, just as a side note, something fun to consider is that Channing Tatum's in-laws will be Lenny Kravitz and Lisa Bonet. And I guess the way that I could sum this entire thing up is, I'm sorry. I think if you're Channing Tatum, that is the fucking coolest thing ever. You know, another thing to add is that obviously Lisa Bonet and Jason Momoa was split, which by the way, rocked us. Like I'm still not fully over that one. But Zoe and Jason have remained incredibly close even after the split. And one of the very few Instagram posts that we've gotten in regards to Channing Tatum and Zoe Kravitz's relationship came from Jason Momoa post-split from Lisa Bonet of the two of them supporting Zoe Kravitz at the Batman premiere. And people had actually come out with an article around that time following, you know, Jason posting about him and, and Channing together supporting Zoe that Channing Tatum and Jason Momoa have been friends for years and have run in very similar circles. So it's all still very connected. As is everything in Hollywood though, right? Like as the um, yeah. more and more we learn, it's just par for the course. Right, of course. Because by the way, it's not just that like you said a minute ago, it's not just that Channing Tatum and Zoe Kravitz was confirmed from a Halloween party and they were seen leaving. It was confirmed from Kendall Jenner's annual Halloween birthday party, like at Chateau Marmont. Like, of course it is so connected. You don't, there's nothing that takes place that isn't connected to another event or another person or like an entire series of events. It's always the most fascinating thing about Hollywood to me. Yeah, that's why it really makes sense as you start to peel back the layers why at times it can feel so like incestuous. It's because it is. Yeah, because it is. This one was just very surprising. I am so, so here for it in a serious way. I mean, talk about a wedding that I can't wait to recap, but we have a lot of great content in our future, hopefully. But if anyone else was also shook by this, you are not alone. And to those of you that were expecting it and weren't surprised, then Mazel Tov as well. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. 
Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. This is just so unbelievably devastating and... I'm not entirely sure even how to talk about it because there are sometimes certain things that are just so deeply sad. And this is one of those things, as I'm sure you all know by now, on Saturday night, Matthew Perry passed away at his home in LA. Law enforcement initially responded to a call of cardiac arrest and he was found in the jacuzzi. This just rocked the world. I mean, this is really, really a hard one. This is like so deeply upsetting. And, you know, I think that there are always certain celebrity deaths where you'll always just remember where you were when you found out about them. And this is certainly one of those. Yeah. And and we happened to be together. Julie and I were at dinner with a couple of our friends and she came back from the bathroom and I saw like your entire face go white. And you were like, Matthew Perry died. And everyone at the table was just in shock and the table next to us. It was like one of those things where you were watching all the surrounding tables find out about it at the same time. And you could see the energy on the street was just people being completely floored by this. I mean, you know, I think specifically with him, of course, friends for so many has been such a comfort show for so many years. And so you feel so connected to the show, to the characters, to Chandler. And then on top of that, specifically in recent years, he's really opened up about his own struggles and his struggles with addiction and sobriety. And I I think that he just gave a pretty profound level of vulnerability and that was really felt. And, you know, not just in his words, but also in the way that the people closest to him spoke about him and his gentleness. I feel like if I had to pick one word to kind of describe the way that I always feel people in Hollywood spoke about Matthew Perry, it would probably be gentle there just seemed to be this real kindness to him. And God, you just, 
It's like you're sad for everyone. You're sad for his family, for his friends, for his former castmates. And you're just sad for like the world to lose such a presence like that. Yeah. And I think one of the main things and why this is really difficult is because, like you said, the Matthew Perry that we knew, especially the Matthew Perry that we knew as Chandler for so many years, was such a figure to us and such a comfort character. And, you know, Friends has been that show for all of us, I think. Like it is just, you turn it on, you turn your brain off for a second, and you can just laugh and relax and have fun. And you don't even have to think about what you're watching because you've watched it so many times through that you can quote the episodes without even consciously thinking about it. And so I think for so many years, that was the version of Matthew Perry that we really knew and thought we knew. And once we got to kind of see where the Friends cast was at in this current era of life through the reunion, we discovered an entirely new Matthew Perry. Like we discovered, like you said, an entirely new vulnerability to him, a new story that we weren't aware of. He spoke to us through his memoir, through different interviews. And, you know, I I feel like what we're collectively feeling that's so unfortunate is like this feeling of like, wow, we were just getting to know him. Completely. It's like simultaneously a person that you felt you knew so well, even though technically you didn't, at the same time, someone who we were just scratching the surface of all that there is to know about him. And he was the person that was so willingly teaching that to us. And when I was saying a minute ago, all the people that you're sad for, and I was saying, you know, his family, his friends, his castmates, the world, I think the sadness that also that we're collectively feeling is sadness for him of like, he had so much more that he wanted to do and share and to overcome the struggles he overcame and be able to speak about them in the way that he did and open up about them in a way that he was giving strength to so many people and was clearly deriving such joy from being able to do that it's additionally heartbreaking because you feel like that was just cut off just as it was getting started. And, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen this quote of his that has been going viral. Part of this is from a podcast episode that he did with Tom Power last year, almost to the day. It was November 20th last year. And he said, I've had a lot of ups and downs in my life. I'm still working through it personally. But the best thing about me is that if an alcoholic or a drug addict comes up to me and says, will you help me? I'll always say, yes, I know how to do that. I'll do that for you, even if I can't always do it for myself. So I do that whenever I can in groups or one-on-one. And I created the Perry House in Malibu, a sober living facility for men. I also wrote my play, The End of Longing, which is a personal message to the world, an exaggerated form of me as a drunk. I had something important to say to people like me and to people who love people like me. When I die, I know people will talk about friends, friends, friends. And I'm glad of that. Happy I've done some solid work as an actor, as well as given people multiple chances to make fun of my struggles on the World Wide Web. But when I die, as far as my so-called accomplishments go, it would be nice if friends were listed far behind the things I did to try to help other people. I know it won't happen, but it would be nice. Oh, it's so, I'm sorry, I'm really struggling with exactly what to say here because I, I just feel so sad for him. I just feel like, as much as he gave the world, there was so much more that he wanted to give and so much more that we 
forget about us as the public, but even the people that knew him closest were so wanting and ready to receive. I think it's even interesting, you know, reading his words that he said on the podcast about how he hopes to be remembered. And, you know, he hopes kind of friends will fall far behind the things that he did to help other people. And I just think we all have this collective acknowledgement of of what friends does to help people, like what the ability to turn on your favorite show and laugh to that does for everybody. And I think specifically for Matthew Perry and for the character of Chandler, like to me personally, like that, his character resonated with me in a way that was so special, like that sarcastic kind of underdog. Anytime I watched the show, it was it, it was always him that I gravitated to the most and always his humor that I gravitated to the most. And also I think that, you know, something that he spoke about in the reunion and something he spoke about after the reunion was the struggle that he had in feeling if his jokes didn't land or that if he wasn't making people laugh in the way, or if he thought something was funny and, and the audience didn't react, like what that did to him on a personal level. And so I just think, yes, of course, a character you play can be summed up as just like work that you did. But I think when you have a character that's that impactful and spans generations and spans cultures and is known throughout the world, like that's as big of a deal as it gets not to downplay what his own wishes were. I just think that maybe he didn't have the full understanding of what the character of Chandler actually meant to people beyond just like, Oh, this funny guy on our television. I just think there is a real intimacy that arises from being the very thing people go to when they're seeking comfort. And for so many people in many different situations for many years, friends and specifically his character has been the most comforting thing in so many different moments of life and stages of life. And that is a really, really powerful legacy to carry. Because it's so much more than just entertaining. I think in so many ways, it's providing people with calmness and a feeling of safety and easing anxiety and, and making people happy in times when things felt really sad and dark. Like that is invaluable. And I, I it, this is just a massive loss. And I know, you know, obviously, I have to imagine most people's first thought was the rest of the Friends cast, and of course, have devastated. They are. And today, Monday, they released a joint statement to people that said, we are also utterly devastated by the loss of Matthew. We are more than just castmates. We are a family. There's so much to say, but right now we're going to take a moment to grieve and process this unfathomable loss. In time, we will say more as and when we are able. For now, our thoughts and our love are with Maddie's family, his friends, and everyone who loved him around the world. And it's signed from you know Jen, Courtney, Lisa, Matt, and David. Oh, I just, I just feel for all of them and for his family. I mean, his parents. And you know, the other thing is like, you see the photos and the videos of his parents and Keith Morrison, his stepdad going to the house that night. And they're just surrounded by paparazzi. And it's like, even in the darkest time of someone's life, they don't let him breathe, you know? It's so shameless. I know. I know. It's so fucking shameless. Could you imagine? No. Here you are as the parent going to your son's house. You find out that he, he just died in the jacuzzi in his backyard and you're 
bombarded by flashing cameras, like that whole thing, there has to be some, they have to do better with that. It's so inhumane. I know they, they have to, there has to be something done. It's, it's not, it's so not right. I know. It's so not right. It's like, let these people grieve. I, I, uh, I don't know, guys, I'm, I'm sorry that I don't feel as though we have very comforting words in this moment. I just know how heartbreaking this I'm sure felt for so many of you, the way that it felt for us. And I don't know, I guess I am a big believer that the best thing that you can do when someone passes is like continually just speaking out loud how impacted you feel from their legacy. And so even if it's someone you didn't know personally, just maintaining that I think is a really special thing to do. And we are just so sorry for his family, his friends, and for him, because I know there was so much more that he wanted to accomplish in this life. So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom, because realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and... Every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. I'll tell you right now, if you are asking me who won Celebrity Halloween, it is 100% hands down pregnant Kourtney Kardashian as pregnant Kim at the 2013 Met Gala in that floral Givenchy. No, that was so good. Like 100% props where props are due. Beyond. I mean, there's so many things there because it would have been a phenomenal costume regardless but specifically given what has recently gone down between Kim and Courtney, that was a real moment of like, even Courtney's thrilled to dress up as the person she can't stand the most because she knows how iconic it's going to be. And it was. And second of all, as Kardashian fans know, 
that dress and that night is so cemented in our minds because of how cemented it is in Kim's mind. Because let us not forget, that was her first ever Met Gala. She's pregnant with North. She was there as Kanye's plus one. She herself was not you know, personally included. And she spent the entire car ride home from that Met Gala hysterically crying, reading the internet, seeing how cruel people were being and feeling so out of place. Like she wasn't wanted, you know, she was really only there as... Kanye's companion. And she's the first one to acknowledge the stark contrast in her Met Gala experiences and how, you know, that was pretty overall devastating to now when she comes. And not only is she there on her own, but she is the star of the show and she commands that carpet. And in so many ways, it's a moment that we point to when talking about the way Kim's confidence, specifically as it applies to her role in the fashion world has increased over the years. And so it, it carried so much weight. It was so much more than just Courtney's pregnant. And so she wore one of Kim's more iconic pregnancy looks. It's like, no, 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 This carries some serious weight. In listening to the explanation, obviously I, I know the explanation, but I, I do think it's funny because there was a mixed reaction to this. Whereas when I first saw this, I was like, one, this is fucking amazing. This is hysterical of Courtney to do. And also it made me feel like their relationship had come such a far way since the fight that we saw because A, for Courtney to give Kim the satisfaction of dressing up as her is like something Courtney a couple of months ago would have never done. But also like it it reminded me of their ability to have fun with each other and, and that side of their relationship. So I was so happy to see this and I thought it was so great. Whereas the other split reaction was people saying like, oh, wow, Courtney basically took Kim's most insecure moment, like you described, that she has spoken about many times as being a really low point for her and then made it her Halloween costume. Like clearly their fight is not solved. Like clearly Courtney is dressing up and hitting on some sort of insecurity of Kim's, which is not how I took it. But I do understand and like, especially in your recounting of events, like how people's mind went to that place. Yeah, but like, that is so not what is going on here. First of all, it's not like Courtney had that look recreated without Kim's knowledge. She's wearing Kim's exact dress. Like Kim was fully involved in the vision of all of this. I'm sure Courtney called up Kim or whoever had the idea called up Kim and said, we have this idea. And Kim was like, holy fuck, that is brilliant. Let me go to the archives or more accurately, let me send someone to the archives to pull a look for you. Like I'm sure Kim was so beyond in on this. And if anything, to take a moment that, yeah, I mean, some may call it dramatic, but I do think at least at the time Kim described that as relatively traumatic to like be able to 10 years later, turn that around into something that can be so fun. If anything is like such a testament to how far you know, Kim has come for that to even be a thing. I so did not take it like that. Like not even a little bit. And I'm, I'm not like, you know, Courtney's number one fan by any means, but I just think that's, that's so wrong. I completely agree. Like com completely. I didn't take it that way either. Like even for one single second, but it was just funny that I had had this moment of seeing people take it in that way. And then you know, as I was listening to your explanation and you explaining the, the, again, what I obviously knew the background of the dress to be, I was like, oh, I can understand if it's explained to somebody in those terms, how somebody could have arrived at that conclusion. Honestly, I'm not even gonna lie to you. I didn't see any of that. 
online. I, I was really only tuned into the people being like, holy shit, this is epic. Oh, that's so funny. I definitely saw like a, a decent amount of it. I think for some reason I was just like less online this weekend than I normally am. So maybe I wasn't as tuned into that, but this, <laughs> this is the first time hearing of it. And that definitely surprises me because I think just overall brilliantly executed and really more so your initial point to me is the point here, which is like, there is no fucking way that a few months ago or in the height of the Dolce Vita fight, whenever that was, that Courtney would be dressing up as Kim for Halloween. Right. Oh, never in a million years. Never in one million years. So clearly, even though we are still the first to say we don't think it's all water under the bridge with them, like we really don't. We definitely think there is still some tension that I'm sure is palpable if you're with them. Like it's clearly resolved enough that this was kosher to do because there is a world in the heat of some of these exchanges that it would never have been kosher to do. And I think that we can at least point to this as some resolve. You know what? That's how I choose to see it as well. So just going off of that for a second, I want to briefly discuss an interview that Travis Barker did with the LA Times. It was titled, Travis Barker Wants to Be, quote, Superhuman, done by Amy Kaufman. And there's a lot of really interesting takeaways in this, but specifically if we want to zone in on the Kim and Courtney of it all. Something that has been circulating online for a little while now, and we purposely have never mentioned it on the podcast, but it's definitely been circulating enough where people have DM'd us asking us to talk about it. And we've made the choice to not, but since it was acknowledged in this article, we would like to. So in 2016, Travis Barker released his memoir. And in his memoir, he spoke about his former attraction to Kim, specifically at the time when she was Paris Hilton's closet organizer. And he still maintains nothing physical went down between them, but he was very drawn to her. Obviously, as we know, his ex, Shanna Mokler, says that something did go down, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, people have brought that up recently as a way to say, hey, do you think that maybe this is the deep-rooted issue of what's going on with Courtney and Kim? Because maybe Courtney feels like even this she has to fucking have. Like here, I have my dream guy, my dream husband, and still somehow Kim's involved. And I think we just never felt like there was an overwhelming validity to that to the point where we wanted to really deep dive it. But Travis mentioned that in this interview, and I want to read you this one part. It says, in recent seasons of the show, tensions between Kim and Courtney have escalated, a feud that boiled over when Kim curated a Dolce & Gabbana collection in 2022. The collaboration came about four months after Courtney's wedding, which the New York Times labeled a, quote, walking ad for the brand. She and Barker exchanged vows at a seaside villa in Portofino, Italy, owned by Domenico Dolce and Stefano Gabbana. Online, fans have resurfaced passages from Barker's 2016 memoir, in which he discusses his attraction to Kim. They first met in 2006 when Barker was hooking up with Paris Hilton. At the time, Barker writes, Kim was working as Hilton's closet organizer, and even though he was dating Hilton, he, quote, kept on secretly checking out Kim, telling a friend, quote, I don't care if she's the closet girl, she's fucking hot. Barker has long maintained that nothing physical ever happened between him and Kim, something his ex-wife, Mokler, disputes, and denies that Courtney harbors any ill will over the relationship. Quote, It's like Courtney's fans are worried about Travis. He's a womanizer. Stop it, Barker says, his voice never rising. Quote, I obviously shared all that stuff because I wanted to move past it. It was therapeutic for me. That's her sister. She knows we used to talk. Nothing bad was going on. You give people a little information and they think they've solved the mystery of, this is why they're fighting. It's just all so ridiculous. Okay, you and I literally have not even discussed this. I want to tell you 
my initial reaction because I'm really curious yours. And what I want to backtrack in saying for a second is that previously to the last couple of months, I thought there was no world in which anyone, Travis, Kim, Courtney, anyone in the family would ever mention this theory. And then when it has gone so viral to the point where most likely they've seen it, they've seen it being talked about and Travis confirmed clearly that they know that it's being talked about. I actually thought they would pull a very Kris Jenner move of, hey, this is out there. It's so outwardly out there that we have to acknowledge we know about it, but we're going to do it in our very own way of controlling the narrative. AKA, I thought on next season, there was going to be a joint confessional between Kim and Courtney where they talk about this or a scene with Kim, Courtney, and Travis where they talk about it, like a break the internet type of scene. I never expected that Travis would talk about it alone in this type of a way. And so it wasn't that I'm shocked that any one of them mentioned it because I actually had to wrap my head around in the last couple of weeks that I thought that they would. I just didn't expect it to go down in this way. Where where did you land on all this? I never thought that it was going to get brought up. Like I thought they were just going to ignore it. But I actually have to say that if you were to tell me that it was going to be brought up, I thought the only way that it would be brought up is from Travis, considering it was his words in the first place. I never thought Kim would have a place in in speaking on it, and I never thought Courtney would have a place in speaking on it. I didn't think that Travis was going to, but I thought if anybody was going to, it would be him because it was his book initially, and they would have kind of, if he wants to clarify, if he wants to talk about it, that's on him. We're not going to get involved. We're not going to you know, try to explain the situation from his point of view, whatever the case may be. I think where we differ in our opinions on this is I think that it does play a role in the dynamic between Courtney and Kim. And it's not to say that it's the main reason for the fight. It's not to say that all of their issues are stemming from this. It's not to say that this is even that big of a deal that they used to talk. I just think that when you look at the most recent fight between Kim and Courtney and what Courtney was saying to Kim, her frustrations came from this place of like, everything I do, you do. Or everything I have, you then have to be the center of attention of. Or you can't be happy for me because it's me and it's not you. Like There was all of this pent-up resentment towards the way that Courtney views her dynamic with Kim. And so I think even the slight idea that there is even remotely something to do with Travis and Kim, even if it is on the most micro level, I don't think it's something that sits right with Courtney, even if it's not something that she is actively upset about. Okay. So I think where I land on it is that I very much agree in that, like, I don't think she's thrilled about the whole thing by any means, but to me, it's so much less about that he felt this way in 2006 and wrote about it in 2016. I think for her, it's so much more so that there could even be this idea from the public that this would be a thing. Not that it ever happened. Like, I think she's the first one to say, listen, we've all had our fair share of like rendezvous, this, that. I, it, it's all water under the bridge at this point. I think it's more so the way that it's being brought up. It, to me, has the vibe of like, when she was so pissed that the Scott storyline was in the same episodes as her and Travis talking about their fairy tale and her feeling like it was kind of raining on her parade or even one millimeter taking away from just like 
their quote love bubble. I think that's how she feels about this being brought up. Not that it happened and not that it's documented. The fact that people could think that she'd be pissed about it is the thing that I think makes her pissed. Exactly. Yes, exactly that. It's not a blip on their story at all, but it does exist. And I think that it's the kind of thing where if it never got brought up, if the public wasn't aware of this, if there was no real story there, but Courtney had the knowledge of this very minor, call it a relationship between Travis and Kim, I don't think it's something that would actively bother her. I don't think it's something that she would ever even give a second thought to. I think it's the fact that here is this fairy tale that she has with Travis, and here is the public calling attention to something that has to do with her sister and Travis. That is what gets her. That is where that resentment towards Kim comes from. Because it's like, God damn, I can't even escape her in this. Yes, exactly, exactly. Just I just want to make the clarification that to me it's not about the fact that like it happened. It's that it's it's being brought up in relation to like her perfect fairy tale. Which, like, by the way, I get it if I'm her. You know what I mean? I get how that's probably really fucking annoying. Yeah. I just don't want to downplay how big of a deal I at least found it to be that he acknowledged it. And I actually think it was a power move because the second they acknowledge it, it totally takes the power back. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Okay, so I want to talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them the Fry Family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic nonstick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. A couple of other things we need to mention in terms of Kardashian products. The Skims nipple bra, Kylie Drop and Kai, and Skims being the official underwear partner of the NBA and the WNBA and USA Basketball. 
Skims really came in swinging this week. What can't she do? Sorry. But you know what's interesting is like, okay, we have Skims men drop. Huge deal. Big deal. Everybody's obsessed with that from the start. Then we have the Skims nipple bra. And it was like, you and I had this moment of like, she just gets it. Like, I would say for you and I, the best compliment that we ever give to anybody is like, oh, they just get it. If we leave a dinner with somebody new, if we meet somebody's boyfriend, we're like, oh, you know what? They just get it. And that is like the nicest, best, highest compliment we can give. And the nipple bra just had this overwhelming feeling of like, I always knew Kim got it, but like this was delivered in a way where like, oh, she fucking gets it. And then, and then you have the partnership with USA Basketball, NBA, WNBA. And it's like, I'm overwhelmed. I know, I know. And you know something? Before it was announced, when she was just posting like a photo of her TV watching the game and it had skims on the court, I didn't even put two and two together. I was just like, oh, wow, what a, what a creative marketing tactic. I didn't realize what was about to come from that. And maybe that was naive of me. But God, just tens across the board. And by the way, not that I have any experience in knowing what underwear is best when you're playing basketball. Like certainly that is not my area of expertise, but I cannot imagine being a guy and having your ball sit any more comfortably than in a cotton boxer. I just can't. Can you? I guess not. Did you think that it was interesting that Kylie dropped Kai in the midst of Skim's biggest week? Like, no, honestly. And you want to know something that's so funny? If it wasn't Kylie, maybe I would. But I just feel like Kim and Kylie are so on this path of killing it together. And they so are not stepping on one another's toes. Like, you can buy as much Skim's underwear as you want. Like, there's no overlap between Skim's underwear and Kylie's faux leather, you know? Yes. And I totally agree with that. Like it wasn't even necessarily about like, um, the markets overlapping. It was more like both of those things individually were such a big deal where I was concerned, maybe not concerned, but for Kylie's sake, like about skims overshadowing her drop, because it's interesting. Like, I think sometimes with the Kardashians, you have this thing where when they drop multiple things at the same time, it's like the power of the family. What can't they do? And like one, one thing's drop elevates the other things drop because you're just viewing it as the big picture. And then I think there are also times where two things happen at once and one overshadows the other. And I just got the vibe here that the excitement of everything with skims was a little bit overshadowing to Kylie. Right. I don't think that she would view it like that, though. I think that she would view it more like, yeah, we as the Kardashian Jenners are just coming in hot, you know? And I don't know. Listen, if you hate the Kardashians, you fucking hate this. It's like, God, they're everywhere. But if you love them, you are loving this. And we just so happen to love them. It'll be interesting to see what Kai does because it's, it's, price pointed very well. It's not expensive. It's like everything that she has listed is is under $200. And I know that the plan for the brand is to do multiple collabs with multiple different designers. And so I think it'll be really, really interesting to see if this is a brand that ends up making a mark. Because I think a lot of times the Kardashians drop something and the initial reaction is like, from the public, not necessarily from us, but you know, we, we always start off a little skeptical as well. I think the reaction is often like, 
oh, another one? Like, let's see what this one does. And then you end up being pleasantly surprised. I think Good American is the perfect example of that, where it was like, oh, okay, Chloe's got her thing. And then people started wearing the jeans and people started really enjoying the product. And it ended up taking off in a way that I don't think we expected it to. And so it'll be interesting to see from draw point to like a little bit more in the future, what ends up happening with Kai and and if that ends up being a similar model to Good American and Skims. Yeah, I'm curious as well. I mean, listen, there have been rumors about Kylie doing some form of a clothing line for a while now. And so to watch it come to fruition is just, even if you're not going to be a consumer, just kind of like a fun evolution to witness, but we'll we'll see. I mean, <laughs> I just want to see that Skims nipple bra on. Not that I you know, have any plans of wearing a bra. Not that you need it. I was going to say, not that I like, yeah, right. I have so many thoughts on this whole thing. Cause we got like a lot of DMs from listeners that were like, guys, I love your show. I'm in my forties. I'm in my fifties. Like, what do you think? Educate me. And I don't even necessarily know if it's an age thing. I think it's a very personal thing. Like some people love the idea of nipples as accessories. Some people are repulsed by it. And some people are pretty indifferent to it. I'm like, yeah, they show, they show, they don't show, they don't show. And wherever you fall on the spectrum, anywhere in between or another option that I haven't listed, I respect that journey for you. I just personally happen to love an exposed nipple. Me too. Somebody texted me and they were like, what if your nipple doesn't fit in the Skims bra? I was like, I don't think it's a glove situation. (laughs) (laughs) I want to get one like just to just to see, you know? No, we're obviously getting them. Yeah, that's that's a given. Is there anything else that you want to mention? I think that's it, kid. I think so too. Okay, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening and for letting us do this. And we'll see you later this week. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.